Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 301. We getting them YouTube views. Inside joke right there. Of Underground Sports Philadelphia, KB, doing a solo show with you from Underground Studios. And of course, guys, this show would not be possible without our incredible, amazing, above and beyond local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, our kick-ass friends over at Tomahawk Shades. You see me wearing the Tomahawk Blue Light Plus glasses each and every week. I wear them when I stream. I wear them when I podcast. I wear them when I'm editing, when I'm on my phone, when I'm watching TV, whatever it may be. I'm rocking the Blue Light Plus glasses. You only get one set of eyes, guys, so you got to protect those bad boys, and that's what Tomahawk Shades is here to do. Head over to TomahawkShades.com right now. Pick up your sunglasses, your blue light plus glasses. Check out the small batch collective. They've got new things dropping in there very, very soon. Check out the apparel. They've got watches. You name it, they've got it. And when you go to check out after that cart is nice and full, absolutely thick, use our promo code USP at checkout to save 25% off your order. That's promo code USP at TomahawkShades.com for 25% off your order. TomahawkShades.com, quality product for an affordable price. And right now, for a limited time, free domestic shipping on all orders at TomahawkShades.com. And guys, it, it is quickly approaching. It's, it's caught up quicker to me than I truly expected. But are you ready for some football? Because the biggest game of the year is upon us on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast anniversary February 7th in Tampa and it's time to get your balls feeling super our partners at Manscaped are here to tell you to join the already 2 million men who trust Manscaped products for their below the waist grooming needs take Gronk's advice and shave your super balls use the best tools to reduce nicks and cuts before the best game and choose the Manscaped perfect package 3.0 included is the lawnmower 3.0 which is simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. And because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced, and you guys should not be settling for unnecessary roughness below the waist. Plus, it has waterproof technology and a 90-minute battery. And believe me when I tell you, this is the champion of the big game of ball trimmers. Big game champion of ball trimmers with Manscaped. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your nuts in the game all four quarters. Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls, and it's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost in clutch time. Manscaped even threw in their Shed Travel Bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort... The Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your boxer game to the next level. Complete your top-to-bottom grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. It's a whole new balls game this coming Sunday. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your Super Balls will thank you. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Tackle your pubes and win the big game in your pants with 
Manscaped. And of course, I got to tell you guys about our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. They are the fastest growing craft spirit in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and in Pennsylvania alone. They're headquartered in Old Kensington, Philadelphia. They're currently closed due to COVID, but once that bad boy opens back up, best believe the underground sports crew will be hanging out at Stateside because they've got a full bar, they've got restaurants, and they offer distillery tours weekly. They also distill their vodka one time for every day of the week. This bad boy is seven times distilled. It's certified gluten-free. It's blended with electrolytes. This is the first vodka on the market with a mineral composition on the same spectrum of electrolytes found in your favorite sports drink that just so happens to start with a G. And it is also the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. Stateside Vodka has also won awards for best package in the world. Right now, guys, head over to statesidevodka.com to purchase your vodka delivery radius anywhere in the U.S. To get our discount, support the show, promo code USP, you get 10% off your purchase of the one liter vodka bottles at statesidevodka.com. Just the one liter bottles is where our promo code works to help support the show, help us you know, pay some bills and all that good stuff and keep our relationship with Stateside Vodka pristine. But you can order anything else you want on the website. Our promo code just won't work for it. But promo code USP to get 10% off your one liter vodka bottles at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to purchase. And of course, please drink responsibly. Let's kick off episode 301 with the big, bad, beautiful news that D.D. Gregorius is back. Cue the Biggie Smalls. Didi Gregorius is back in a Phillies uniform. He signs a two-year, $28 million contract with the Phillies. So they get JT, they get Didi back, they're running it back. It is the smart thing to do. Matt and I talked about it on episode 300 after they re-signed JT. They couldn't get complacent. The Phillies could not, you know, be good with themselves knowing that they got JT and just stop there. There's still moves they have to make now. You know, they signed Matt Moore as well to a, a major league contract, a one-year $3 million kind of prove-it deal coming back over from Japan. We'll see how that pans out. But Didi Gregorius being back, I think, is big in a number of ways. Because, one, you get a guy back who is universally loved in that clubhouse. I know this for a fact from, from talking to people in the organization. And he's a guy that just connects with so many different guys on so many different levels, whether it's through art, through baseball, through travel, photography, whatever it may be, Didi finds what clicks with different guys in the clubhouse and makes it known, makes his you know relationship with everybody unique and different, and that's why he's loved throughout Major League Baseball. That's why he is a guy that has not played in front of Phillies fans outside of the Fandemic crew who weren't even in the stadium. He's a guy that is a fan favorite without even having played in front of the fans, which I can't even tell you the last time a player has done that because we haven't had an opportunity to really have, you know, players play in empty stadiums. But this is the first time that a player is a fan favorite without playing in front of the hometown fans. And Didi Gregorius being back, I think, is such a huge deal. Um, and Drelton Simmons had gone to the Minnesota Twins. Freddie Galvis had gone to the Baltimore Orioles. Marcus Simeon went to the Toronto Blue Jays, so it was down between the Phillies and the Reds for Didi, and I think Didi having been here last season, and I, I said this to a number of people too, I just couldn't picture Didi Gregorius without Joe Girardi. I feel like that relationship, and this is all speculation on my part, I feel like the relationship between Didi Gregorius and Joe Girardi is so strong that those two want to work together they want to continue to build together, and they want to win a championship or more together before it's all said and done. And I think Didi being back with this team is such a big deal on so many different levels. It solidifies the shortstop position for the next two years for the Phillies. And it's not like Didi is some terrible shortstop. You know, a lot of people knocked his defense last year. It's also a small sample size of a season. We only played 60 games last year. Uh, it was announced today as I record this on Monday. Uh, that Major League Baseball is going to start on time, full season, 
bada bing, bada boom, we're going to get full sample sizes of guys that we really only got a, a small look at last year, whether it was Didi Gregorius, uh, we'll get a, a full season of Andrew McCutcheon potentially for the first time in a Phillies uniform. Uh, we'll get a, a, another full season of Bryce Harper. We'll get a full season look at what Andrew Knapp does as a backup catcher. There's a lot of factors now that come into play with the with the season being full-blown, but Didi being back, don't know if it takes the Phillies out of the shortstop market for 2022, which we talked about on uh, episode 300 as well, where you got guys like Corey Seager, Javi Baez, Trevor Story, you know, legit big-time shortstop class that could be franchise-altering for a lot of franchises, um, especially now that you know, the, the Colorado Rockies just essentially like sold off Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals for free. Uh, who knows if Trevor Story is going to be on the market early in trade and he goes to an organization that's able to re-sign him before he hits the market. That's going to be something to monitor. Wonder if the Phillies, you know, potentially try to do that. Um, don't know if they will, but it's something to definitely keep an eye on. And now it gives Bryson Stott time to develop more and, and get more reps in. Hopefully we have a minor league season, you know, with, with AAA at Lehigh Valley, and you don't really have that taxi squad situation going on. But nonetheless, it gives Bryson Stott more time to develop and, and really hone in on his skills. Don't know if he projects as a long-term shortstop, but nonetheless, it, it's I think this is a big bonus for the Phillies, knowing that Didi's going to be here for at least the next two years under contract. $28 million, not a big deal uh, money-wise, in my opinion. I know he was looking for, for $30 million, so pretty close, and I'm sure there's incentives in there one way or another that could boost it up to $30 million that just don't get reported, but I'm very happy, and I think for you know, the fans too, like Didi is super interactive on social media between his emoji post-game win tweets. Uh, he draws the players that were major contributors and posts them on Instagram. Like he, he interacts with the fans. He's super artistic and he connects with, like I said, the players on a number of levels, but also the fans on a number of levels. You have fans that are on Twitter, fans that are on Instagram, fans that are artistic, you know, and, and fans like myself that love decoding the emojis and figuring out who he's talking about. That's always a joy and a blast. Um, so I'm very happy Didi's back. His bat is is big time. You know, if he can continue to hit like he did last year, be a, a force in the middle of the lineup, uh, being a left-handed bat in the lineup is big time too because outside of Bryce Harper, this lineup is very right-handed heavy. So it breaks some things up along the way and helps out this lineup, you know, when they're going to try to rake and, and that's what they want to do. Um, so very excited to have Didi Gregorius back on the flip side, my boy, our boy, an underground athlete is no longer in Philadelphia. Uh, Cole Irvin, the homie since almost day one, he's been, been part of our, our network of friends and, and, and he's he's backed our brand since the beginning, since we first interacted with him on his Twitch stream playing NHL, and then uh, getting a chance to meet him a couple times uh, throughout his time in Philadelphia. Reps our you know he's repped our merch on his platforms and has really just embraced us. And he's one of the boys. And the Phillies traded him to the Oakland A's for a player to be named later. Cash considerations. I wish Cole nothing but the best. And I don't want to get like soppy sobby sappy you know whatever but Cole's a really good dude and he caught a lot of slack you know from fans here you know when he struggled or whatever it may be but you know we had that Mother's Day start from from Cole and to watch that happen knowing uh who he is and and the type of person he is to see him go out there and play the way he did on Mother's Day was amazing and he uh he did like a notes app to the Phillies organization, and it goes like this. It says, there's a little league photo somewhere of me in your uniform. It was meant to be, and in 2016, my dream started. From Williamsport to Lehigh, I was thankful to meet so many people. Every team made their impact on my growth in times of highs and lows, but we won together on Mother's Day 2019 in my debut. That day and year will always be something I can be proud of, to the Phillies, thank you for the opportunity to wear your uniform. 
and for pushing the boundaries on the player I could be. Thank you to the front office who gave me the chance to live out my dream and for hiring all the coaches along the way to help not just me but the rest of the team. There are too many of you in the front office, the coaching staff, support staff to thank. To the fans, thank you. You are honest and supportive. There are not enough words to describe your passion, loyalty, and will to win. Your will to win is what always made me excited to put on the red pinstripes, and I won't ever forget how amazing you all are. I will miss you, the city, and more importantly, you at Citizens Bank. From fist pumps in spring training to my first big league at bat, hit, save, hold, and win, you're a wonderful city and organization, and it was a pleasure to be a part of. Best of luck in the future to you all. And uh, the caption was, thank you, Philadelphia, for your support. Cole's a genuine dude. Like, he's been on the podcast before leading up to Bryce Harper signing here. And um, I'm going to miss him being around here. You know, it doesn't mean Cole is no longer an underground athlete. Doesn't mean he's not, uh, you know, doesn't mean we're not going to support him out in Oakland and wherever else he may end up. It's just a bummer to see, you know, people that you, you grow fond of and become friends with and build relationships with no longer in your backyard. But I wish Cole and everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia wish Cole nothing but the best. He's been a genuine dude to all of us, and his support never goes, you know, unnoticed, untouched. And uh, Oakland got a real winner. So the Oakland A's fans, take care of the boy. And uh, this will not be, you know, the last time you hear from Cole Irvin on Underground Sports Philadelphia, that's for sure. But wanted to give a shout out to the homie and underground athlete, Cole Irvin. You're the best, brother. And uh, kick ass in Oakland. So what do the Phillies need to do next? We talked, you know, we kind of went through a lot of logistics on the last episode of what we want this team to do preference wise. I think, you know, I don't think center field's going to be in the cards for this team this offseason. I think they're going to, you know, hope that Adam Hazley and Roman Quinn and whoever else, you know, gets an opportunity to play in, a, in the outfield can give them a little something. But if they can go out and get another starting pitcher, I'm starting to lean that direction. I really want to see Taiwan Walker here. He is a, a prime bounce-back candidate that could really flash, especially with Caleb Cottom being the pitching coach. Taiwan Walker makes so much sense, and I know there's some people saying he's out of the Phillies' price range potentially, but man, dude's only 28 years old. He's been electric, you know, when he's healthy, and that's the biggest thing. Like, he could potentially be out of the Phillies' price range, but... He's a guy that needs to prove he can stay healthy, but if he can, like this is this is a prime place for him to land to pitch behind, you know, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, and then have Taiwan Walker as your number four, and then you potentially have Spencer Howard, Vince Velasquez, Matt Moore. You, you kind of build up that depth for the number five and and swingman spots. I think it makes a lot of sense to bring in a guy like Taiwan Walker. Archie Bradley, I believe, played with him in Arizona. So there's a connection there to potentially draw him here. Don't know what their relationship is like, but I would really love to see Taiwan Walker in this rotation. Makes a ton of sense. And if you want to go an even cheaper route, I'd say you potentially go Rich Hill or you you pander to the fans and you bring back Cole Hamels on a one-year deal. Um, don't know how much he has left in the tank, to be honest, but... Those are all relatively cheap options, I'd say, that you could go out and improve the starting rotation, which needs improving. Don't get that twisted. Like, this rotation still needs a lot uh, going into the season that is quickly approaching. You know, spring training is right around the corner. So they, they need to do a lot of bolstering to this rotation, potentially add another bullpen piece, and I'd be happy with that. You know, Adam Hazley, I think given enough time to really prove himself in the outfield can be a serviceable center fielder around Bryce, around Andrew McCutcheon. Still think they need another, you know, fourth outfielder. I don't think Roman Quinn is truly the answer. He's a guy that can't stay healthy. Um, you know, he's he's most effective when he's on base and he, he struggles to get on base. So Roman Quinn is definitely a guy that I don't know if he's your answer as your fourth outfielder, to be honest, and you might need to go out and get somebody like a Jackie Bradley Jr., Brad Hand, 
or not Brad Hand, Brad Miller, I'm sorry. Um, Bam- Bamboo Brad from a couple years ago. I mean, he's still out there as a potential infield, outfield type guy. There's still work to be done with this Phillies roster, but getting JT locked in, getting Didi Gregorius back, I think those are two big pieces to this puzzle because the Phillies offense last year, while there were struggles, they were very good. And there were the the squandered opportunities were more or less from pitching. You know, the bullpen blew a ton of games. So I think if this bullpen can hold leads and, and come in and be locked down, if this starting pitching staff can go deep into games, at least three out of the five starters, you know, with, with the big three, there's a real opportunity for this Phillies team to compete in the NL East, and I think that's got to excite fans, to say the least, a little bit. You know, there's a chance that, you know, things can swing one way or another and this team can compete in the NL East and find their way into the playoffs for the first time since 2011. Still a lot of time to go before that's even in the discussion, but you need to you need to add at least two more pieces, one more bullpen piece, another starting pitcher, and if it's in the cards, go get another outfielder to help this outfield, and I think this Phillies team could be in really good shape heading into 2021, and we should be, you know, a little optimistic and excited about the fact that, you know, this team can compete with the likes of the Braves, the Nationals, the Mets, and the Marlins. You know, this is going to be one of the most competitive divisions in all of baseball heading into this season, in my opinion. Uh, All five teams are, you know, bringing in young talent from either the minor leagues or they've signed guys, and there's there's a real chance that this division could be a full-on bloodbath, and it's going to be exciting, and I'm excited for, you know, what's going to unfold in the NL East. Because nothing is uh, nothing's better than good old NL East rivalries, that's for sure. So here's a little little inside the mind of your boy. Because Nick Sirianni spoke to the media, Philadelphia Eagles' new head coach. Ha, you know he stuttered, was nervous, whatever it may be. The the video makes the rounds on social, and it is. It blows my mind how quickly people wanted to denounce Nick Sirianni as being a leader, as being, you know, eligible for the job because the dude was nervous. Uh, Like, have you ever taken a public speaking class before? Have you ever, you know, been nervous to present something? Like, I'm pretty sure you've messed up in your life speaking in front of an audience. There's videos that have made the rounds from the Colts social team too with Sirianni talking to the team, which truly matters in the grand scheme of things if you are a head coach. And the dude is seamless. Like, I I saw it on Twitter, and it might ring true, where Eagles fans and, you know, we're going to remember who was clowning Sirianni if he ends up going on and and being a successful head coach, but it, it... has the potential makings of like gritty where everybody absolutely hated gritty thought he was ugly you know what is he he's a fanatic ripoff yada 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 and now everybody universally loves gritty across the board no matter if you're from philly or not sirianni rubs the national media the wrong way rubs a lot of local people the wrong way because of his press conference they're like saying how they how Everybody wishes the Eagles hired Josh McDaniels, hired, you know, Todd Bowles, hired this, that, and the third. And I'm just like, dude's given one press conference, has not proven a damn thing. I don't care about a January introductory press conference that has nothing to do with the grand scheme of things of this guy coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. It makes me not want to even, like, talk about the Eagles until free agency begins because one there's no there's no real point unless news comes out I have no desire to discuss this team because of how toxic and how disgusting this fan base has been since the start of the 2020 season for the most part obviously we had the Foles Wentz civil war and everything and that's kind of subsided for the most part there's still the oddballs out there but it is truly just so mentally draining to even, like, see tweets about the Eagles right now. And I'm just like, you do realize, like, 
other sports are happening right now. Two of the three, te- like three teams that are in the public eye right now for doing positive things are playing games, the Sixers and the Flyers. And the Phillies just re-signed two fan-favorite players. There's a lot more to talk about than, you know, Eagles fans that I've seen twist and turn the Matthew Stafford trade to the to the L.A. Rams and Jared Goff going to the Detroit Lions and twisting that into an Eagles-Carson Wentz narrative. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing that every thing that is discussed about the NFL, about the quarterback position, about trades, about whatever it may be, just automatically turns into an Eagles discussion. It drives me absolutely bonkers because there's no need for it. It is unnecessary, just like narrative spinning and twisting. And sure, some people out there want to get their content that way. That's not what we do here at Underground Sports. We, we don't go out and, and twist narratives to, you know, make clickbaity content. That's not what we're, we are genuine content. We are, you know, emotional, what we truly feel content. And if you guys have been rocking with us for any period of time, you know, that's how we get down on all of our podcasts, on all of everything we do on our network. That's how we rock. It is genuine content. It's not, you know, twisted clickbaity. Let's let's just formulate opinions like we're, you know, first take or undisputed or anything like that. It's horseshit. There's no need for it. It is trash content if you do that because all it does is just continue to muster up this toxicity and it drives people away from wanting to talk about this team. And that's where I'm at right now where the Eagles unless some sort of big news happens, unless, you know, some sort of big hire or firing or whatever it may be, a Wentz trade, a Jalen Hurts trade. Until free agency starts, there's no reason for us in particular to talk about the Eagles. There's no reason. Because we got a successful Sixers basketball team right now who are kicking ass, taking names. They're in first place in the Eastern Conference. We got a kick-ass Flyers team right now. They're kicking ass, taking names. They're first place in the East in hockey. Two of the best teams in their respective sports are playing right now. And people want to twist and turn and and talk about this Eagles team that is in the offseason. The Flyers are in first place in the East Division. Sixers are in first place in the Eastern Conference. Let's let's give some love to some success stories right now, people. Like, I understand there aren't a lot of people that are four for four that pay attention to every sport, but there are a lot of you that do, and I see you. <laughs> I see you out there tweeting nonsense. Let's just let's reel it in here and, and focus on the fun. Let's not all just be negative. It, it's, it's been a rough year, to say the least, for a lot of people. And we finally have some positivity going on with our sports teams. And it's not a drag to watch them. Let's have some fun. Let's not get negative and get down in our laurels. And and trust the process. Anytime, anywhere. So I'm saying that right now. Unless any big news about this Eagles team comes out, there's no need for us to discuss it. Because the Sixers right now, let's talk about them. They are kicking ass. And taking names, everybody doubted them the other night. The Philly parlay hit. Shout out to me for actually taking it, even without knowing Embiid was going to be out. So Sixers, since Wednesday, have played a couple of games. Beat the Timberwolves handily. Got Joel Embiid to rest the fourth quarter. That's absolutely fantastic. He balled out uh, in that game against the Wolves. Ended up having 37 points and 11 rebounds in 27 minutes. Off to a a slow start in that game, too. I think he had 17 points, but he was in foul trouble, and a lot of it was from... uh, Not foul trouble. He he was missing shots, I should say. Wasn't foul trouble. My mistake. Uh, Missing shots, but he was getting to the line, and that helped him get up to 17 points early in the game, and he finishes with 37 and 11 in 27 minutes. Got to rest the entire fourth quarter. Sixers handle their business against the Timberwolves on the road. Big time. Big time to handle the business on the road. 
And then uh, just the other night, Sunday, against the Pacers, it was ugly. They were down 28-18 after the first. Sixers, you know, won the second quarter, but it was still rough. And then the fourth quarter ticked around, and the Sixers outscored the Pacers 37-15 to in the fourth quarter and were able to come back without Joel Embiid. It was announced like an hour before game time that he was not going to be playing, and I had already bet the Philly parlay of the, the Sixers and Flyers money line. Uh, and I was like, damn, like, <laughs> I'm going to lose because typically up to this point, like, over the past couple of seasons – if the Sixers don't have Joel Embiid playing, you almost chalk it up as a loss. You see a lot of people saying, oh, I'll see you next game, because that's just what it's been, you know, it's come to be known as that. Like, it is just automatic loss. There's, It's so strange that they they just can't step up up until, you know, Sunday night, where they, they haven't been able to figure it out without Joel Embiid playing. You know, whenever he's out, it's like something happens to this team. And obviously, I know Joel is one of the best players in the NBA. He's definitely the MVP right now. Goes to show each and every time he's on and off the court that he's the MVP. But what a miraculous game for this team to show guts, show grit, come in down the stretch. Furkan Korkmaz, Matisse Thibel, Thibel playing immaculate defense in crunch time. Korkmaz making shots left and right, finishes with 17 points. Ben Simmons put up 21 points, had a great game, uh, you know, down the stretch. A lot of guys started slow in this game. You know, like I said, they were down 10 points after the first quarter, and I was like, oh, here we go again. Like, it was almost that same mindset where you just knew it was over. It, it felt like it was over already. And then they were just able to dig back and, and grind. Tobias Harris, 27 points, 8 rebounds in 30 minutes. Uh, Tony Bradley got the start in that game. Dwight Howard ended up uh, playing really well down the stretch, 11 points, 15 rebounds. But, I mean, to to really go, this was a, a team win. And, obviously, that's going to sound very cliche because Embiid wasn't playing uh, you know, they, they grinded back late in the game, but this was a team effort without, you know, consistent performances across the board late in this game. The Sixers don't end up taking the lead late and they don't end up closing this game out and winning by nine points when they were down 10 after a quarter. This was, you know, big time plays and uh, they went to uh, a 2-3 zone defense that Doc Rivers paid homage to the late great John Chaney rest in peace coach uh that that really shut down and, and bamboozled the Pacers um and to to see the in-game adjustments from this coaching staff and Matisse Thibel picking up on this 2-3 zone and and you know, just really wreaking havoc on this Pacers team that it, it was really fun to watch, you know, because over the past couple of seasons, we haven't really seen in-game adjustments from the Sixers on defense, on offense, whatever it may be. It was almost like, you know, we're going in with this game plan. If it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, we'll get them next time. And to see Doc Rivers and this coaching staff go in, figure out, you know, a weakness of this Pacers team, um, which, I mean, is, is credit to the coaching staff knowing what gave that Pacers team struggles and, and troubles over the past couple of years. It is, uh, it is a tip of the cap. You know, Dan Burke knowing from his time with the Pacers that the Clippers ran a 2-3 zone scheme last season against them, and it gave them trouble. And for them to say, hey, we're going to do this because we know that this gives this roster that we're playing against trouble. It, it makes them, you know, kind of buckle in and, and not know what to do. That is what you want to see from a coaching staff, and we haven't seen that 
from this Sixers team over the past couple of seasons under Brett Brown. And it's no slight to Brett, but it's something we've clamored for on this podcast. It's something that fans have clamored for on social media. Like, why does this team not adjust in game? Why do they always find it? You know, it's always one play uh, drawn up on offense. And then on defense, like they, they don't adjust to what teams are adjusting to on offense. And, I, I just got to tip my cap and give credit to Dan Burke, to Doc Rivers, because that was a spectacular switch up to have that in the arsenal to just throw out there and really bamboozle the Pacers. Job well done. Matisse Thibel executing flawlessly. And that's why you have a guy like Matisse Thibel on this team. Everybody, you know, clamoring and, and calling for Matisse to get traded. Sure, if it's for somebody like James Harden, I understand it, but like, to just consider Matisse like some sort of throw-in is just silly at this point. And Matt and I have talked about this a number of times uh, over the past couple of weeks, you know, during the Harden saga and, and post-Harden saga. Matisse plays sensational defense when he's on. And when he we, we saw it on display Sunday night against the Pacers. What he can do defensively is incredible. It's just figuring out the offense, and when he gets those opportunities – on on defense to to really shine and show what he can do this team has a weapon coming off the bench defensively that not a lot of teams in the league have and not a lot of teams in the league right now play the defense that the Sixers do at the level that the Sixers can and have shown that they are capable of doing so Matisse Thibel playing defense Korkmaz coming in off the bench and playing spectacular offense just a job well done by this team to to get a, a tough, gritty road win, stay in first place. They're 15-6 and six this season now. First place in the East, two and a half games up on the Bucks and the Nets, three and a half up on the Celtics and the Pacers, and, and they're doing a fantastic job. They're 5-5 five and five on the road uh, this season, 10-1 and one at home. That one home loss shouldn't even really count, but we all know what that went down with. Um, they're on a three-game winning streak, and they just got to continue to compile these wins and and build a strong lead in the East. You know, they get the Hornets on uh, on Wednesday night, so they'll have a nice little layoff, not having played since Sunday. Uh, but that game's on the road, third game of a three-game road trip. We'll see how they kind of come out and play. Hopefully, it's you know to the typical standards we know them to play against the Hornets. And then they're at home for two games against the Trailblazers and the Nets, two very good teams. The Nets, obviously, they're, you know, breathing down your neck in the East. You want to build some more, you know, you want to get some more padding in between yourself and the Nets. Is, you know, since the James Harden trade, I saw, uh, you know, stat ESPN Stats and Info tweet out, the, the Nets have the best, like, points per game offensively since the Harden trade, but they're giving up the most points per game defensively, which is the worst in the NBA since the Harden trade. So, I mean, that game's going to be a, a scoring fest. And sure, the Blazers are the eighth seed in the West right now, but they've got two certified weapons in Dame and C.J. McCollum. Rocco, you know, they've got players on that Blazers team that can shoot the lights out of the gym. So you're going to have to be on your A game playing against them. And luckily, the, the Sixers will be at home for that one before they go back out on the road for a four-game road trip against the Kings, the Blazers, the Suns, and the Jazz. And then they come back home, you know, for two. And then they're back out on the road. They, they play Toronto in a, a mini-series before they come back home for the rest of the first half of the season uh, for four more games. So, I mean, this first half of the season's really winding down, too. And if the Sixers can build some momentum and, and put some cushion between themselves and the, you know, I'd say the top five teams, maybe even top four in the Eastern Conference, you know, themselves, the Bucks, the Nets, and the Celtics, I'd say, maybe the Pacers, those top five teams that are still fighting and clawing, but the Sixers are playing damn good basketball right now, guys, and it's so fun to finally not, like, dread watching games for the most part, where last season it was... It was such a pain and a struggle to get. It was like watching a snail just crawl across the sidewalk. It was like watching paint dry. It was no creativity. It was it was not a lot. Of, the The vibes are 
vibing. You know, you see Tobias, Dwight, and, and Joel dancing pregame and, and jamming out to, to music and everything. This team seems like they genuinely love playing with each other. And uh, I don't want to screw any of it up right now. Like, sure, there's going to be some sort of moves made uh, to improve this team down the stretch before the trade deadline, no doubt. But, man, this team, like, they're just vibing on all types of levels, and it's super exciting to know that, like, this Sixers team is playing the the basketball that we have always expected of them. And for it to kind of be on display now full force almost is it's encouraging for the future. It's encouraging for the now. And I think this team has a legitimate shot to be a, a contender for a title. And, you know, sticking with the Sixers, the Blue Coats are down in the bubble. Their season uh, getting close to, to starting and, you know, a couple – Couple big names on that Blue Coats roster. I got to talk to a couple of the guys. I got to talk to GM Matt Lilly today on a, a conference call uh, with the team, Coach Connor Johnson, and um, a lot of in the insightful, you know, things and and fun tidbits along the way. Nice little call today too. A lot of people on it, and um, I think this Blue Coats team, Connor Johnson sticking over. You know, he was a Brett Brown guy, and and Doc Rivers keeping him. Uh, you know, with the blue coats, I think is a big deal. Uh, very intrigued to see what this team was able to do, uh, moving forward because there's a lot of talent. I got to speak with Justin Robinson and Rajon Tucker as well. Uh, big time note, Justin Robinson, big time call of duty Warzone guy because he was in 2k in 2019, 2020, I believe. Uh, and they had his player not playing the style of game that he plays anyway. So he's not a big time 2k guy, but Justin Robinson, if you want to run Call of Duty with our boy Steve and and with Dom on our Twitch streams, let me know. I'll I'll, I'll connect our people with your people and and we'll get it going. Um, and I asked Matt Lilly, you know, with the Blue Codes being in the bubble, how much has he communicated with the Sixers front office and the organization, knowing that the NBA was in a bubble down in Disney last year, and now that's where the G League is. How much brain picking and, you know, back and forth is there between, you know, the Sixers and the Blue Coats to make sure that they execute a, a flawless bubble, know what to expect from everything day to day and, and get ready for that process of living in the bubble. And Matt Lilly said, you know, everything we do is in tandem with the Sixers organization and everything that goes on in the bubble will be alongside them, especially with Paul Reed and Rajon Tucker, the both, uh, both of those guys, the two-way players for the Sixers on the two-way contracts. So, that's going to be, I think, for the entire NBA, an interesting little, you know, piece of the puzzle when it comes to, you know, bringing guys up that are on two-way contracts since they are down in the bubble. How much time do they have to quarantine for after coming back from Florida uh, to join the team? There's, I think that's going to be a, an interesting strategical thing for these teams to really figure out and know you know, this is when we want this guy, so we have to make sure we're calling him up this time. You know, with B-Ball Paul, Paul, Paul Reed, uh, having spent time with the Sixers already, kind of knows the system. I think he's going to be a big-time player, uh, you know, with the Blue Coats and, and helping them learn what the Sixers are, are trying to accomplish. Um, because he's, he's going he's gonna to help this coaching staff that, there, there's been a lot of turnover on this Blue Coats roster from last season. It's not a lot of, you know, big time, big boys protecting the rim. It's a lot more speed. It's a lot more shooting uh, than what they were accustomed to last season. So this team is, uh, I think there's a lot of talent. And, you know, Frank Mason being a big guy on this, on this Blue Coats roster that I think could potentially be a player for the Sixers at one point or another. Rajon Tucker seems like an absolute joy. Uh, very fun guy to speak to. You know, he said adjusting for him is really easy. Uh, he feels like he's really coachable, provides energy and leadership as well. So I think he's a big team guy. We love big team guys here. Um, and you know, he said he also feels like his his player comp is Victor Oladipo. He's a he's kind of a guy who, uh, you know, he's someone who always wants to prove himself, wants to have that chip on his shoulder, play like an underdog, and I think that fits. This mentality of the city, obviously, uh, it fits this Sixers organization, uh, 
to a T, and I, I think Rajon Tucker is going to be a guy that gets a lot of looks as a two-way player, is potentially being a guy that helps this Sixers team down the stretch uh, going into the second half of the season. And with those two guys in mind as well, the news that, that was broken, I believe, by Shams from The Athletic uh, talking about the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Brooklyn Nets all being talked to by the New Orleans Pelicans as a potential <laughs> potential landing spot for one J.J. Redick. J.J. struggled this year, to say the least. Uh, I don't know if he's a, a true fit for this team. I wouldn't give anything up of significance for J.J. Redick. Um, he's, he's not somebody that I'm willing to trade, you know, guys like Mike Scott and uh, Tony Bradley or, or Vincent Poirier or anything like that. He's not worth giving up uh, an arm and a leg for. He's 36 years old. He's going to be a free agent after the season. He's he's having a pretty down year, to say the least, uh, with the Pelicans. He's played in 16 games so far. This season, he's only averaging 7.9 points per game, which is the lowest he's averaged, uh, you know, not on a full season basis, but hasn't averaged lower than 10 points since 2009-2010 with the Orlando Magic when he averaged 9.6 points per game. That was also his fourth year in the league. So, I mean, is the decline real? I don't know. It could be. It also could be just a slump and and not being a natural fit for this new Pelicans, you know, coaching staff. Obviously, he's played with Stan Van, but just not a fit for this team right now. And he's he's struggling to get shots up. You know, he's not shooting well. He's only shooting, you know, 29-30% from three. And if the season ended today, it would be his lowest shooting percentage from three in his career. Um so, I mean, I, I'm truly not interested in trading for J.J. Redick unless it's, like, a couple second-round picks. Uh, there's not much player-wise that I'd want to give up for J.J. Redick. So, I mean, he's a guy that could also get bought out, potentially, and, and you just bid for him on the buyout market. I would do that because I we all know the relationship that he has with Joel Embiid and, and how well... Those guys played together, you know, when J.J. was here and how Joel was bummed when J.J. left in free agency and wasn't made, like, a priority to bring him back. So that's something I could potentially think about, but I don't know. I, I just have no desire to trade for J.J. Redick right now. I saw the news and I thought it was pretty neat that, you know, there's potential for it, but after going through it all, this team needs a, a stretch four, stretch five in the worst way. They need Mike Scott to get healthy for sure because I think he could be a big boost for this team. I I just don't see the benefit of trading assets and, and bringing in a guy like J.J. Redick who's struggling, who's big money because of the contract he's on. And, you know, Brooklyn really can't afford him, to be honest. They, they've signed guys and, and used their mid-level exception. and The Celtics make a lot of sense. They've got the, the sign-and-trade uh, exception from Gordon Hayward. So I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up on the Boston Celtics, which would be <laughs> very weird. Um, but I, I just don't know if J.J. Redick right now makes logistical sense for the Sixers. It, it's going to be an interesting watch season to see what Daryl Morey does you know, leading up to the trade deadline and working the buyout market, working the margins and making sure that this team has enough weapons around Joel and beat Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, who should all be all-stars um, and leads this team into the playoffs to go on a run. So we'll monitor all those situations for sure. And of course the Philadelphia Flyers absolutely playing incredible immaculate hockey. They get another series sweep against those damn New York Islanders. They should have switched to the fishermen uniforms. Maybe they'd have more success, but coming off, you know, big-time wins against the Devils on Tuesday and on Thursday, 
They swept the Devils after getting swept by the Bruins. You know, that was the first time they had been swept in a series all season. And now uh, they've won four in a row. They've they've been playing great hockey. Two overtime wins against the Islanders, who were, you know, the team to, to kick them out of the, the playoff bubble last year. And they just couldn't get over the hump with them. And to see them really dig deep, play well. Scott Lawton, Kevin Hayes, the two overtime heroes uh, in the miniseries. They're playing good hockey. They've bounced back well after kind of getting embarrassed by the Bruins. You know, you had the shootout loss, which that was kind of just a punch in the gut. And then a 6-1, just brutal, brutal showing, uh, you know, just two days later on that Saturday game a week ago. So to come back and play well, especially on a true back-to-back, a Saturday, Sunday, um, very impressive wins from the Flyers. They've done a great job to bounce back, winning four in a row, and now you get another shot at the Bruins. This time, your home ice. Go out and, and punch them in the teeth because right now, as it sits, the Flyers are in first place. Ten games played. They're 7-2-1. and one. Um, 15 points. They're tied with the Capitals points-wise. Um, goal differential is the same. And I believe it just comes down to win-loss record at that point. And the Flyers are 7-2-1. and one. Capitals are 6-1-3. and three. And... They just got to keep stacking wins. You know, right now, they've got two games against the Bruins coming up uh, on Wednesday and Friday. Then they go to the nation's capital for two games uh, against the Capitals on Sunday and then next Tuesday. And then they're back home against the Devils uh, for a Thursday-Saturday showdown. A lot of fun hockey to look forward to, for sure. It is... um, it's, it's exciting. I, I love watching these teams right now. And like it's very similar situation with the Sixers where last season there were moments with this Flyers team that it, it was just painful to watch them play because they weren't clicking. There was a lot of defensive miscues and still there's a lot of you know things that need to be cleaned up. But I think they're playing as a team. They're playing cohesive hockey for the most part. And there are blunders, and and it seems like on a a night-to-night basis, they're able to figure some things out from the previous game and and really put some, you know, points on the board. They're scoring well. Uh, Just cleaning up the defense is the biggest thing for this team to find success, playing well in front of two goalies that are, you know, absolutely standing on their heads night in and night out. They need to, to really get some lockdown defense going, and I think this team will be a true absolute force and and have a real shot to win the East. That that's the fun, exciting thing. You know, we didn't really expect the Flyers to be flat out contenders and win this East division because of how competitive it was going to be. We knew they'd make the playoffs, but we we truly didn't know if it was going to be a situation where they could come out on top in the East. And I think that's completely on the table right now for this Flyers team as long as they continue to, you know, Cut back on the mistakes, cut back on the turnovers. That's one of the big things that needs to be fixed. A lot of turnovers, a lot of, you know, switching of of the puck to the other team. So whoever they're playing, and that's just a across-the-board thing. So if they can clean that up and clean up a lot of the miscues that are just minor tweaks, this team has a legit shot to, you know, be right back in it and, and be a contender in the playoffs and go on a cup run. So... A lot of exciting stuff going on with the two teams that are playing at the Wells Fargo Center right now. Phillies getting back to where we think they can be. And we're not talking about the toxic Philadelphia Eagles until big news happens. So, until that happens, we will talk about the fun things going on in Philadelphia sports. And uh, the Bluecoats, they're going to be exciting. So, definitely another team to keep an eye on and, you know, We'll be keeping close tabs on them as well as they're down in the bubble in Disney. And uh, you can stay up to date with all of that good stuff by following us on social media, at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, we got the Unplugged Shot Clock series going on with Richie. A lot of posts going up recently on the Instagram account. We're keeping that thing flowing. Follow us on Instagram so you don't miss a beat. At UndergroundPHI, same thing on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI. PHI. 
And uh, we got a, a big announcement recap video coming for you for our year in review as our anniversary is Super Bowl Sunday. We've got the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame fan polls coming out Tuesday afternoon. We're going to start rolling those out. So as you're listening to this, the polls should be rolling out on our Twitter at UndergroundPHI. Um, going to be an interesting interesting class this year for sure. Um so definitely participate in that, and we'll announce that next Monday, the 8th. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Follow Matt at Matt Castorina. And check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Let's run these numbers up. We're heading into year three of this bad boy. We're, we're doing big things here. We want to take things to the next level. We'll we'll push forward. We'll keep it moving, and let's let's keep the growth going. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five star ratings and reviews. Let me know how you're feeling about JT and DD being back. How you feel about the Sixers team right now? The Flyers, the Blue Coats, the Eagles, whatever it may be. Leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy. It's simple. It takes thirty seconds. Helps us out immensely. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. And if you leave a review, we'll read it on the podcast. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you subscribe. Leave a review. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Five stars only. You can check us out on Spotify as well. Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Check out the Outside the Box podcast, our flagship lacrosse show. Got a lot of fun interviews coming out. Over the next couple of weeks with big time people in the sport, around the sport. We just had Cannons Lacrosse Club coach Sean Quirk. We had Alex Pace from the Philadelphia Wings on our most recent episode. Another episode dropping later on in the week with a big time first time guest. Check out Streamer Season, our flagship streaming platform discussion, theorizing, breakdown podcast. We're doing all things WandaVision right now on Disney+. Plus. It is an absolute blast and joy to record that podcast with Dylan and Harrison. Um, It's caught a lot of traction. We were number five on the Apple Podcast TV reviews chart in Nigeria. (laughs) So we're we're going global with this thing. Um, Next stop will be the moon with Dogecoin. So check out Streamer Season at StreamerSZN. We really want to grow that podcast in a big way, and it comes with the support from our, our flagship Underground Sports Philadelphia listeners. If you like the content we do, if you like you know, our personalities and everything, we're talking a lot of different things. So make sure you check out Streamer Season, Streamer SZN. And uh, the 4th and Goal Boys got a big-time big, big time project that they should be announcing either on Super Bowl Sunday or sometime this week as well. So uh, follow them at 4th and Goal USP. And uh, OTB, Outside the Box, and Streamer Season on Instagram as well, at OTB Laxpod, at Streamer SCN, and uh, subscribe to those podcasts as well, because there's big numbers, big time stuff going on across the board on this network. A lot of exciting things in the works for this new year for us. Can't wait, and it would not be possible without you guys, the listeners, and of course, our amazing local sponsors that help this this thing and this operation keep on ticking at, at high capacity rates. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, Manscaped, and Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Promo code USP on all three of those websites at TomahawkShades.com. It gets you 25% off your order. Manscaped.com. It gets you 20% off. Free shipping and a thank you from your balls with promo code USP. And at StatesideVodka.com. Promo code USP gets you 10% off the one liter vodka bottles. Must be 21 or older to order. And please drink responsibly. Matt and I will be back, and I think we fixed the audio issues on the Twitch stream moving forward. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. We will do a test stream beforehand to make sure it's all good to go. Uh, but you should be getting show clips again, which I love doing. Love putting clips of the show to, to promo it for you guys and 
show off our fun layouts and stuff like that. So twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI if you want to watch the live Wednesday shows. And hopefully going to work to getting live again uh, for each and every show. It's just tough with, you know, pandemic going on. We're trying to be as safe as possible and limit, you know, all that good stuff. So twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. Be there Wednesday night for episode number 302. We'll have more on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame ballot votes and all that good stuff. And uh, we'll catch you guys then. So this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 301. I'm KB, and we are signing off. Peace.